Hello, and welcome to the Conrad Life Report for Friday, November the 4th, 2022. It is a an, an unseasonably warm afternoon uh, here, not as close to the window as usual, in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. Uh... Yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it being super nice. It's almost too warm, but um the mornings have been spectacular. Uh this morning I went for a nice 7-mile run uh around the Prospect Park Loop and by chance I happened to be down at the lake uh as the sun was rising and it was just spectacular. So, um So yeah, it's a nice day and it'll be a nice weekend. Uh, it's been like a month since the last one of these. I think the last time I had just gone to Canada and seen pavement, uh, but pavement I saw here in Brooklyn when I got back, but I'd gone to Canada, then I came back, and then I think I that was the last episode. So, yeah, it's been a busy month. Um, well, first of all, talk about the neighborhood. Um, let's see. Well, in the neighborhood... One of my, like, I I basically spent the last month spending two to three days a week at a Poetica coffee, um, only in the mornings and only for like a half an hour. But on the days that I go to work, which is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I've been dropping off Oliver and then walking up to Smith Street and then walking down to Poetica, which is on Smith between, um, DeGraw and Douglas, uh, and they have a backyard that, uh, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but it seems like total hidden gem. I've seen people sit out there when it's in the summer, uh, but, and like on the weekends, they have terrible Wi-Fi there. Uh, so most people I think don't try to work. It's definitely not a des- a laptop destination, which is fine because there are enough of those. And, um, so I've been going and getting coffee in the morning at like, I get there at like 840 and I sit in the backyard almost always by myself and I just listen to music or write in my little one of my little journal books and I just have a half an hour to myself and then I get on the subway. Um, so that's been like one of the very nice defining moments of this past month is just those uh, half hours of zen I've been getting in the morning. So that's great. Um, other neighborhood uh establishment news i went for the first time to black mountain winehouse uh which if you're from around here you know the place um on hoyt and union looks like a little house (laughs) and it has a great little front you know area with like wooden adirondack chairs or whatever but yeah it's just a great little cozy bar with some food and sat at the bar with a brother-in-law drew and met with eric and his friend jason um, and sat at the bar and just had some wine, tasted different wines uh, a few Friday nights ago. It was just a just a great Friday night. And then afterwards, what did we do afterwards? Oh, yeah, Bar Great Harry. And then a nightcap in the basement here, which is the nightcap portion is a little fuzzy to me, but that's okay because it was a Friday night. Um, but, yeah, Black Mountain Winehouse. It only took me um, decades to go there, even though it's two blocks away, but great place. Um, and the other local place that was new to me that I tried out was, uh, 
a coffee shop called Villager in Crown Heights, which is on Classen Avenue and St. John's. And uh, yeah, Oliver had a activity thing at the Brooklyn uh, Library main branch. And so I was over there and I had to kind of kill time for an hour and I had the car. And so I met up with my friend Matt Frampton, uh, who lives over there, and he suggested Villager. And we had a great time just having coffee for 45 minutes. And uh, we I brought, a, I brought with me a couple of old issues of Rolling Stone in case I was going to be by myself and just wanted to read something. So we discussed uh, this 89 issue of Rolling Stone as well as college football. Uh, I think we were definitely the only people in this hip coffee shop in Crown Heights discussing the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten. Uh, and the Rolling Stone from 89, that particular issue had a, a review of Disintegration by The Cure, and it got a three and a half stars, <laughs> um, which is funny because obviously it's a classic. The review read way better than um, three and a half stars. Uh, review by Michael Azarad, by the way. Um, so yeah, so those are the local spots I've uh, been to in the past, or I mean, that have sort of come to dominate my October, uh, let's see, a few weeks ago, I Get Wild, we played a show in uh, in Woodstock at Colony, which is our second time at Colony this year, and uh, this was this one was even better than the last. Uh, thank you to Micah and Christine um, for coming out, and of course, my brother-in-law, Drew, uh, who came out, and I was happy to be his designated driver again, uh, just like in March when we played at Woodstock in, at Colony. And uh, yeah, it was a really fun show. Uh, this time, Michael Arthur's uh, illustrations, we had the technology to actually <laughs> implement that, unlike in March. So that was a great addition um, to the show. And uh, yeah, great show. Went back, uh, spent the night at um, the in-laws Woodstock home. And then the next morning, I went into town and... Got a egg and, got an egg and cheese of bread alone, and then I walked down the street to the Mud Club, um, which I'd never been to in Woodstock. But it's a if you've never been, it's an outdoor coffee shop thing, and they sell food too. But their front is sort of this like down a hill from the street with tons of uh, wrought iron and also wooden chairs and benches, and they have fire pits. It's kind of amazing. So I just sat and had a coffee by myself, and it was probably 50 degrees and sunny and the smell of fire in the air, and it was just heavenly. So yeah, the Mud Club in Woodstock. I don't know. I think I've, I always get coffee at Bread Alone, which is why I've never actually ventured to the Mud Club. So yeah, what else happened uh, this month? I'm just looking through... Um, Nothing too out of the ordinary. Oh, well, crazy thing about that I Get Wild show is the next day after we played in Woodstock, we came back to uh, back to the city and we had a Sunday evening show at a wedding. So it's pretty touching. There was this couple who none of us know um, saw us in 2020, saw us and there was some sort of, they were like, we want this band to play our wedding. They asked us back then, and we were like, sure, but then pandemic hit and, you know, lost touch. And then when they decided to reschedule their wedding, they asked us if we were still available, and we were like, yeah. So we played 
their wedding at the Greenpoint Loft. They were the sweetest uh, couple, and it was a great wedding, and it was so much fun to play. And um, yeah, if, if you are getting married and want us to play, we will come play your wedding, if it's around here. Um, so that was that was a that was a highlight <laughs> of the month. Um, other than that, just like some neighborhood hangs. Stoop Hangs had one this week. Friend Eric came over. We had a little bit of Johnny Drum on the rocks out front. Had the World Series on, playing through my phone. Uh, and then Drew joined and went and watched a little more World Series at Wing Bar. Uh, Wing Bar, which I've hit a few times this month because it's fall, so I like to go pop in for an hour and watch football here and there. Um, and let's see. Went over to my friend Nate Martinez's house. Uh last a uh, week before last because he wanted to uh serve me some treehouse beers treehouse from massachusetts of course and um i i had him over a few months ago and i gave him a treehouse beer and he had never had one and he's uh really fallen for it and so um his wife fee's parents live in massachusetts so now he has uh kind of a semi pipeline <laughs> to treehouse and so he had me and also our common friend and my I Get Wild bandmate, Jeremy, uh, he had us both over and we sat in his back deck and had some treehouse beers and it was great. Um, and it was Halloween. <laughs> it was Halloween. Uh, this neighborhood goes nuts for Halloween and this year was uh, no different. Oliver did go trick-or-treating for a couple of blocks. I could not accompany him because... I had happened to put his dinner in the oven right before he wanted to go. And then Julie went and took him and she was like, she came outside. She's like, you know, the pizza's in the oven. Don't forget. I'm like, oh yeah. So went back in. So I missed his trick or treating, but apparently he did a great job this year. He doesn't like trick or treating and it's all very overwhelming, but he apparently did a great job going around the block and saying trick or treat and saying hi to people. And then he came back after a block or two and that was enough. And yeah, the rest of the evening, I hung out in the stoop with uh, the neighbors and the in-laws, and it was a lot of fun. So another Halloween in the books. Um, let's see. Oh, went up to St. Anne and the Holy Trinity Church for the first time in t 10 years, actually, almost almost to the day. But uh, Bonnie Prince Billy was playing Closing Out the Brooklyn Folk Festival. So I didn't realize that this was happening, but the day of, which was Sunday um, the 24th or something, um, 20, 23rd, I got a text from my friend Pete that morning, and he's like, did you know that Will Oldham's playing <laughs> St. Anne's tonight? I was like, no. But turns out our friend Chad, uh, who is part of the Jalopy, and they were presenting the Brooklyn Folk Festival. So he was like, yeah, you guys should come. So we went and... To see Will Oldham is always transcendental, but to see him in St. Anne's Church was just amazing. He played solo first for like five songs or so, and from what, as far as we could tell, these were all brand new songs that will be on a forthcoming album. Then he had a couple of background singers and a uh, slide guitar, was it, player come out? And then he did a solo encore. Just incredible show. Um great great evening and i'm trying to think if there's anything else that's just in sort of like regular neighborhood happenings 
that's been happening and um no uh so <laughs> i guess i'll move on to just like uh records i've been listening to not records cds and streaming things but yeah let's go for it um this long list uh starting in in no order here but um bound for hell on the sunset strip various artists this is a compilation by numero group um it is a collection of songs by hair metal bands from the sunset strip in the 80s but like not the ones that made it big so no guns and roses no motley crew or anything like that it's like in fact the only as as far as i could tell the the well just about the only name that i recognized if i'm trying to remember who are all the artists on it but armored saint is kind of like the only quote-unquote household name on this compilation but it is um, a really fun listen. Like, um, it's just kind of amazing to think of like that. Forty years later, we're we're kind of like looking looking through this lens, this academic lens, <laughs> at this scene. But um, I really enjoyed listening to this compilation. Uh, apparently, the physical copy is awesome. Has a um, fantastic book. Uh, I won't be getting that, I don't think, but. I'm glad I listened, and it was actually um, kind of nice to listen to this uh, a year or whenever it was after I read uh, Nothing But A Good Time, which is that that oral history of the L.A. metal scene, basically. So that was great. Bound for Hell on the Sunset Strip. Um, Reason in Decline by Archers of Loaf, the new Archers of Loaf album. So... I never listened too much to Archers of Loaf the first time around, and I haven't kept up too much with their reunion. Uh, my friends and the ones listening know who they are, like Pete and Steve and um, Matt. They love Archers of Loaf and um, Eric Bachman, and they go to his uh, living room shows and stuff. So I don't know him too well, and I like him fine, uh, but this album is great, really great. It's It's kind of clearly an achievement when you're listening to it. it's like wow they did a great job so yeah that's a good one let's see uh, a couple of grateful dead related things here uh jerry garcia live uh volume 19 um which is the 19th volume uh of the garcia estates putting out random live things this one is from halloween 92 at the oakland coliseum this is Sort of a uh, landmark show in Jerry Garcia band and Jerry Garcia history because he had uh, suffered, he was having health issues um, after the summer, Grateful Dead summer tour of 92 had ended. Uh, and so the Dead canceled their August Western shows and their fall tour. So this was his first time back on stage after you know being sick basically for months. Um, you can kind of hear that it's a little bit tentative and some of the tempos are slower than even the normal slow Jerry Garcia band tempos, but it's pretty heartwarming to hear. I've listened to this show before. And by the way, Jerry Garcia band shows are not easy to find online like Grateful Dead shows are. Uh, they're, they're not on the archive, for example, for whatever reason, they've been kept, uh, more under lock and key. Uh, so you can trade for them, E-trees and BitTorrents and stuff, but they're not like... 
you can't just pull them up very easily like you can with dead shows so um i have listened to this show i can't remember when i last listened to it or how but um it's a great show and i will be buying the cd uh as soon as hopefully barnes and noble near work gets it i went over there yesterday they did not have it i obviously could get it online but i won't um i might have to but and the other dead-related thing is In and Out of the Garden, uh, MSG 81, 82, 83 by The Grateful Dead. This is a 17-CD box set that cost like 200 bucks, um, but I had to get it, and it's pretty awesome. It's shaped very weird, as these things are. Now every annual dead box set comes in a different weird shape. This one is very um, wide. It's like, uh, I don't know, six inches tall, but then like, 16 inches long so there comes with a big book and the book is that dimension so it's like when you turn a page it's like turning a very long page um these are pretty good shows uh early 80s dead i like it's funny like i feel like i can i like a lot of other early 80s shows better than the ones in this set but you know there was a theme the the garden shows and i get it and uh it's great to have and it's a beautiful set um so i'm very very happy i got that Let's see, <clears throat> going on the sort of like same sort of uh, interstellar tangent of dead-related stuff, uh, I listened to the first, for the first time in a while, The Frau Show on WFMU, which is Jesse Jarno's show on Tuesday nights, and I'm just giving it a shout-out because it is just so good. Um, last Tuesday or two Tuesdays ago, I just found myself... Uh, reading, and uh, I was like, I'm going to just put on some music, and I he tweeted and I was like, Oh, I'm going to listen to this. And I just listened to the Frau show and it was just so great. And the theme that night was, um, bootlegs. So it was all like unreleased, um, bootleg performances by various artists. And I mean, some of them went back to, uh, like lead belly live on WNYC in 1941. Just like, it's kind of crazy, you know? Uh, but yeah, so the Frau show on WFMU, um, and as I've mentioned in the past, I'm also a big fan of, uh, Glenn Jones's show on Sunday afternoons. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, Rolling Golden Holy, uh, by Bonnie Light Horseman, uh, Josh Kaufman and, and, uh, Eric Johnson and Aeneas Mitchell. This is their second album. It is gorgeous. Like no surprise. High, high recommend. And I will be going to see them. Next month at the Music Hall of Williamsburg, which reminds me I need to buy tickets for that. Um, let's see. What else we got here? Uh, Estella Jane by Steve Sillette. Steve Sillette is a local person who, um, well, is a close collaborator with Josh from Bonnie Light Horseman, for example. And also Thomas Bartlett, who is on this album. Estella Jane is, an, from what I can understand, these are songs that were recorded like six or seven years ago. Uh, and they are about Steve's... Um, uh well previous spouse who passed away um so it's a very moving sad but beautiful ep of songs estella jane by steve select uh oh and by the way he used to go under the moniker the poison tree if um if you remember that uh nothing special by will chef uh this is his first non-ockerville river named album and seems like ockerville river will probably not come back at least for a long time and it is a beautiful album. Sounds like an Ockerville River record. Uh, 
Stump Work by Dry Cleaning. Um, fantastic new dry cleaning record. It's a There's no obvious hits on this one like there were on the last one, but it's kind of a more interesting record, and it's still just fantastic to listen to. Uh, let's see. Reality by Bill Callahan. Uh, new Bill Callahan album is uh, exactly what you'd expect. Just a very good, solid Bill Callahan record. I always like him, and I always want to listen to his songs. Uh, his new albums. I don't really play them over and over, but um, great to listen to a couple of times. Uh, let's see. Midnights by Taylor Swift. Uh, this is like Jack Antonoff. And yeah, it was good. A couple of songs on there I, I very much liked. Um, uh, it was. It's always interesting to hear what's kind, going to kind of be like zeitgeist fodder and conversation. Um, which is why I like to listen to sometimes these major, major names. I actually do like Taylor Swift. I'm not just listening to it because it's a big, big album release. But, um, yeah, it's pretty good. So Aaron Dessner did, uh, like, the EP, surprise EP that came out, 3 a.m. And I like those songs better. Uh, I mean, I I think I'm just predisposed to liking Aaron's style, obviously. But, um, yeah. Anyway, good listen. Um I'm sure if you want to listen to Midnights by Taylor Swift, you already have. Uh, what's next here? Brian Eno has a new album called Forever and Ever No More. And it's weird. It's a, um, it is more sort of active than an ambient Brian Eno record, but it's, it's song-based, but it's not as song-based as his sort of classic 70s albums. But it is it does have vocals. So it's like, um, it is a sort of like s- slow burning ambient esque vocal record, and I liked it a lot. And it's it is just great to while you're listening, you're just like, um, wow, I'm listening to a brand new Brian Eno album, which is kind of a privilege. Um, Tinder Sticks, uh, similar kind of realm to Brian Eno. The great band Tinder Sticks has a soundtrack out. Uh, what's it? I can't even read my writing. Um, stars at oh, stars at noon. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, it's a soundtrack, and um, it was fine. I liked it. It was kind of background. Um, I was slightly bored by it, but you know, it's a soundtrack. Uh, let's see. Steady by Sloan, the new Sloan album. It's uh, 12, 12 songs. Uh, from what I can tell, I think it's three. It was, I don't know if Andrew Scott has three songs. But um, yeah, they split up the songwriting and the singing equally, as usual, amongst the four of them. And it's just another great Sloan record. Uh, Sloan never makes a bad record. So I want to try and like within that, w- within that sort of like rubric or conversational framework, I want to say that this is a very good but probably not classic Sloan record. Um, but it is very good. Uh, Live in Cuxhaven 1976 by Can, the latest archival Can release. Um, yeah, I mean, these are just Can imp- improvisations from the 70s, and they're all out there, far out, and kick ass. Let's see. Oh my gosh, the Lightning Seeds have a new album, and it's apparently their first one since in 12 years or something. It's called um, See You in the Stars, 
and it's it's it really sounds like the lightning seeds so i liked it a lot there's there's no instant classics like you know well like 20 any 20 or 30 lightning seed songs from the 90s but uh the songs are all very good and like i said just like sonically it's so lightning seeds it'll just put a smile on your face um listen to hysteria hysteria by indigo spark um i know aaron Dessner produced this record and john lowe mixed it it was up at up at aaron's house and um really good really kind of like weird and sonically cool um i don't know how to describe it i I don't, is she on 4AD? I'm not sure, but if she is not, it sounds like a 4AD album, but um, I think she actually might be. But uh, yeah, Hysteria by Indigo Spark, and I saw her open for the National at the Capitol Theater last month, and she was great. Um, And the final thing I have on my list is uh, NYC Taper posted the four pavement shows from the King's Theater, and uh, I have been listening to them, and... I actually went through this process of downloading it and then uploading it into Spotify, the desktop app, and then into a playlist, syncing it somehow, and now I have it as a playlist on my Spotify account so I can listen to it on my phone. Um, So yeah, I have it as King's Theater 10 to uh, 22 by Pavement. I now listen to a lot. All right, that's all the music. Um... Geez, long podcast this week. Uh, a lot of music. Books. I uh, read three books in the last month, or finished three books. Um, God Emperor of Dune, the fourth Dune book by Frank Herbert. I liked this a lot more than Children of Dune. Uh, I think I liked it more than Dune Messiah. And I didn't like it as much as Dune. Dune, the first one, is a classic, of course, um, and kind of does everything perfectly. But God Emperor of Dune was definitely kind of a step up it's a uh, very cerebral book um there's not a lot of action in it and i really liked it it's a lot of just like philosophy um corporate rock sucks uh the story of sst records by jim uh ruland i think um i didn't write it down but uh jim ruland i think uh yeah this is a this is weird um so i don't know too much about sst so I decided to read this book, and um, it's interesting. Now I know a lot more about Black Flag and Greg Ginn and stuff, and yeah, Greg Ginn doesn't sound like a great guy. And <laughs> and at the end of the book, the last chapter is like an open letter from the author and various SST artists begging Greg Ginn to give them uh, their rights back if he's not going to release their music. Just weird. Um, but yeah, so it was just kind of, weird to read a rock and roll like you know kind of like a book about a label or something and just like wow there's a lot of unlikable people in this um, a lot of likable people too but the main character is certainly not um, and then i i read white noise by don delillo the classic 80s postmodern novel um, i had never read it i've always wanted to and then i was on my friend eric's roof like a month ago and we were finishing up the night and I came downstairs into his apartment before leaving and I was looking at his bookshelf and I, and white noise just jumped out at me, just a classic, you know, eighties or nineties penguin edition saw a uh, paperback. And I said, Eric, I'm going to borrow this. And he goes, okay. 
And I said, I'll have it back in a few weeks. And I did. And man, white noise. Yeah, it's uh, it's as good as everyone says. It's and it's like a page turner, and it's funny, and um, and it's uh very relevant, I would say. So I wanted to read it before the movie comes out next month, which I probably won't even see the movie because I never see anything or watch anything. But uh, yeah, White Noise was fantastic, and that is it. I'm gonna wrap this up. Uh, hopefully, it won't be a month before I find time to do this again. But um. Either way, have a great November, uh, and um, yeah, signing off here. This has been episode 94, by the way, of the Conrad Life Report. Uh, from here in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, um, reach out, say hello, and uh, talk soon. Bye.